ahead. Spoilers ahead. Uh, hello. Hi. Um, okay. So this is a new series, and and it's different from the old one, cause cause it's new, and we made it up and stuff. And it, shut up, Mikey. You're not doing good. You're shut you're up. Doing it wrong. Shut up. I'm gonna tell. Michael, Michael, motorcycle. I hate you. I hate you. I, I hate I'm you. I'm only letting you be in this series because mom made me. Oh, mom. Yeah, she likes you best. She always likes you yeah, best. I hate that you. That says you. I buried your oh. teddy bear. <laughs> uh, no, we are not, in fact, taking part in regression therapy. This is our new series titled appropriately, When We Was Kids. And you're along for the ride. <laughs> yep. Mike are traveling back in time. Well, actually, we're doing it right. We're doing it right now uh, to revisit some of the movies we loved, or at least totally super liked, when we were young pups. Yes, this was back when the, when movies were shown on a stretched out woolly mammoth hide, and they weren't so much movies as they were Og stepping into the fire and us laughing at the shadows he cast on the mammoth hide as he desperately tried to extinguish himself. Look what uh, Og do. <laughs> what would Og do? <laughs> This week it's my choice, and I've chosen a movie that terrified me when I first saw it. Okay, I was just barely in grade school. Yeah. But later I came to really enjoy it. 1968, The Beatles, Yellow Submarine. This is really a great film. Oh, yes, my. <laughs> I'm dying. Well, we'll get to it. I'm dying to ask you how why you were terrified. But we have oh, sure. so much we'll more do. to do ahead of that, we don't do. we? We do. We do. Well, uh, first we got business. We do. Tell them about our business. Oh, God. I ain't doing it. Okay, you are fine. too. So, hey, everyone. If you didn't know by now, episode 80, we can be found on three different locations on the internets just for our recordings alone. We can be found on the Apple iPod. No, wait. Apple iTunes. Uh, the <laughs> Apple Podcast app. You stink. Thing. I'm telling everyone. <laughs> you up, stink. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so the Apple iTunes iPod podcast app thing. The Google podcast <laughs> app thing. And hey, Spotify, because we're hip. It says and so. We're right with it. Script. And <laughs> if you would like to interact with us socially, well, hey, you can invite yourselves over, except there's no over to invite yourselves to. But there is Facebook and Twitter, at which we are both Max Mike Movies. And there's also our website, MaxMikeMovies.com, where you can find all of our past episodes still wrapped and fresh for your safety leave comments send us email we have an email address which is us at maxmikemovies.com and hey if we use your suggestions or your comments your name may appear on the show and in fact as we've done this you might appear on the show so send in them comments and yep. stop texting them directly to mike put them on the website <laughs> no no definitely text them to mike especially late at night no no i want <laughs> We want people to be encouraged to do it. So sending oh, them directly oh, oh. to me means nobody sees them. <laughs> so yeah. that being said, I'm sure there is lots of things like trivia and plot to go over. I oh, will yeah. hand it back to Max unwillingly as it may be. The show. Now let's do the trivia first. Uh, there is a ton of it, so I'm just going to have to cull a bit. The budget was about 250,000 pounds sterling. Ooh. And it made about uh, worldwide about 1.2 million. At it the time. did. It did not do very well in England. 
and uh, I'll come back to why. This is the fourth of five theatrical movies featuring the Beatles. Mm. The others we know, Hard Day's Night, Help, Magical Mystery Tour, and Let It Be. The most successful was A Hard Day's Night. Now, there was, in 1965, and I have the vaguest memory of this, there was a TV cartoon show called The Beatles. Uh, Yes, there was. Yes. Now, the actual Beatles, the human Beatles, hated it. And if I remember correctly, it had literally nothing to do with it. Nothing. Hate, hate, hate. When the producers came, approached them about doing this animated movie, they didn't want to, but they did it as an easy way of co- helping complete their movie contract. They were contracted for five movies. And if they I remember correctly, they had almost nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, not entirely. They did contribute. They gave a bunch of old songs, and they, create, they wrote four rather quickly produced new songs, which... Uh, are, are actually well we'll get to that it's only a northern song hey bulldog it's all too much and i didn't know that this was just thrown together for the movie all together now oh yeah <laughs> me but neither they they and they didn't want anything else to do with it but when they saw the finished movie they were so impressed that they agreed to appear in the little live action epilogue hmm. so they really liked it uh now uh, this is actually brings up a question uh the original British version uh, was 85 minutes long. There's the There was a re-release, a restored version in 1998, uh, where they redid all the music and tried to get into 5, 5.1 stereo sound. Ooh. And they added back five minutes, uh, which includes the Hey Bulldog sequence. Right, did, you, is- did your version have that? Yes, but, but, but okay. I, I definitely do not remember it from when oh, no, I was a kid. Oh, no, I did not see that in the theater. I did not. Or a now, TV. This, this, was, uh, this was a somewhat troubled uh, production. The director, George Dunning, he only had 11 months to mm. make this movie. At the time, a typical Disney anif- animated feature took four years. Yeah. Yeah, Dunning had to quadruple his staff and fight off financial back- backers who didn't like the Liverpool accents of the main characters. Except, of course, that they mirror the <laughs> real... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie was a big hit around the world and gave him a lot of prestige. He got a special award from the National Film Critics of Society of the U.S. Even the band was impressed. Like I say, they did the epilogue. Uh, however, he actually lost money on this movie because he did it for a flat fee, which he put back uh. into the production. And when it ran over budget, and he saw none of the profits it generated, and he never made another feature-length film. Uh. In the summer, this is a little lengthy, but I think it's an interesting story. In the summer of '67, uh, he brought in a German artist, Heinz Edelmann, mm. to London to work as a production designer on the movie. The script wasn't ready. Edelman wasn't given any specific assignments. He just sat around for two months, and he got so annoyed, he decided to quit. And he vented his frustrations by drawing this nasty series of horrible, villainous characters, which became the Blue Meanies, the Apple Bonkers, and the Glove, because Dunning loved the sketches. Wow. And from then on, Edelman was like the guiding force of the production. I let his imagination... I have to interject real quick because this is a very common misconception and it's the first note I have. Mm-hmm. Peter Max had nothing at all to do no, with this nothing. movie. Everyone thinks he does. Not even the poster. 
No. And a lot of people misinterpret this look as being Peter Max's, which it was not. And in fact, there's a lot of people who say Peter Max himself took a lot from other people and was not as creative as... And I didn't go too far into the research for that. But Heinz Edelman was indeed the person behind this film, and he lost a lot of credit because people knew Max's name and they didn't know his. Uh, so, yeah. But he, he was. He let his imagination just go nuts. And he created that style of visual overload, that's what he called it, to cover the plot holes. I don't know what you're talking interest. about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there are a lot of holes. But... Uh, Many, a lot of viewers assumed Edelman, was, you know, was a druggie, used hallucinogens. And uh, he said, I have never taken any drugs. I am conservative, working class person who'd stick to booze all his life. And so I just knew about the psychedelic experience just by hearsay, and I guessed what it was. That, by the way, is an absolutely flawless impression of Heinz Edelman. I dare you to dispute me. Well, you know, Max, I was about to ask you how we could afford to get Hans Edelman dead uh, on our show with our budget. But I, you well, know, wow. he's, well, he's he's here over here in the ashtray in the fireplace. Yes, so. yes, yes. He does, in fact, not <laughs> yeah. appear on our uh, show. Edelman, by the way, hated Disney Studios with a passion. There, that is not so. There's no coincidence that the fact that the blue meanies look like they're wearing Mickey Mouse ears. Never made that connection. Yeah. Uh, a couple of uh, smaller things. During the Eleanor Rigby song, you see two rugby teams, one in red, one in blue. They represent uh, Liverpool in red and Everton in blue, two of the top flight uh, teams. And their home stadiums were within easy walking distance of each other. Ah, I'm sure there so were no fights ever. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure none of these soccer hooligans were all very, very polite to each other. Uh, sources, you know, in the uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamond sequence, it, that's all rotoscoped. Yes. And that is, it's from, the source is the dance finale in the 1933 film Dancing Lady with Joan Crawford and Fred Astaire. As a little side story, I had a chance to buy a cell from that sequence. Oh, man. It was in a window of an antique store in Harvard Square for a long time. And I would pass by it and pass by it and pass by it. And at the time, I was very against rotoscoping. And it's very messy, that sequence. It was very messily done. Thing is, although I didn't know it at the time, I did not buy the cell, by the way, um, uh, that, that I didn't realize is that it had made an impression on me. And as it turns out, there are... There is a style I'd use for portraiture, which is very much like the kind of style they used for that, where they have a very tight outline of something, and then the colors underneath are very sort of, I don't want to say random, but very energetic. And it turns out that that made a huge impression on me. And of course, to this day now, I wish I'd bought the damn cell, but whatever. Mm, So anyway... Uh, according to the book 50 Greatest Movies Never Made by Chris Gore, they were going to do a sequel Ooh. called Strawberry Fields Forever. No. And it was actually worked on. It was going to be the first com- computer-generated movie ever. When? Uh, it was like the... It, well, it was going to use more Beatles songs. They used they shot 10 minutes of test footage, and it's never been seen. Well, I'm trying to think of when it would have to have been done to be computer-animated, because it Sometime certainly wasn't... Sometime in the 70s. This- Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. so imagine how that would have looked. I, well, A, just the whole idea is no. Yeah, yeah, creepy. And, but, but, ugh. Yeah. 
the movie, like I said, was a, a massive critical and commercial success here in North America. Uh, the reviews in the UK were much less favorable. Partly, the press had gotten kind of cynical about the Beatles' recent antics in India right. and their rather costly Apple boutique. Uh, it also wasn't re- released in a lot of uh, theaters in the UK, and it did okay, but not not particularly impressive. Certainly not as well here. Oddly enough, this is supposedly one of the favorite movies of Her Royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. She based owns, on what? She owns her own copy of the film. I mean, on film. Okay. Hey, she liked the Beatles. You well, know, no, no, no. She, I'm just like... I, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, here's the thing: is that I'd heard, and I'm not. I'm not a big Beatles fan. I'm not in Beatles lore, but I understood that we, they were always a lot bigger here than they were in the in Britain. They, like they were big in Britain. And for to be a fair, while, to be fair, yeah. there's a lot more of us than there are of them. There, there really are. But from what I understood, like over here, it was just uh, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And over there, it was they're very popular, but not not like they were over here. So maybe that had something to do with it too. Just a couple other things. While most of the animators agree that the chief blue meanie was based visually on the production coordinator, Abe Goodman. They say the demeanor was closer to the producer, Al Brodax. Uh, Apparently, okay. he was a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> yeah, uh, boy, uh, queen, that's a very useful term when describing <laughs> the head blue meanie, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I, I can well, say that because... One I'm last thing in terms of uh, bullets dodged. Back in 2009, I don't ever remember hearing this, but maybe you did. Disney and Apple Corps wanted to do a 3D computer animated remake of Yellow Submarine with Rogers Roger Zemeckis as the director using using the same motion capture technology that he'd used in Polar Express, Beowulf, and A Christmas Carol. Excuse me, I have one more. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, does everyone remember uh, Anthony Hopkins' ass from Beowulf? Because oh, I dear. sure do. Yeah. <laughs> However, because of the somewhat unsuccessful or at least unsatisfactory performance of Christmas Carol and uh, the massive failure of Mars Needs Moms, which I'm sure we all remember, uh, ye- they pulled the plug. Ugh. Stop. Don't remake things. Yeah, Hollywood, stop. We've seen it. We don't want they more. Got, yeah. We don't. So that's pretty much all I've got on... Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot more, but uh, that's what I've got on uh, Yellow Submarine. Mm. So there's um, <laughs> there's a plot that you yes. should synopsize. Synopsize. Tell us the plot, Max. <laughs> the plot. Help! Pepperland needs some, someone... Not this idyllic, <laughs> not just anybody. This idyllic land full of rolling strawberry fields is under attack from mean Mister Mustard in the form of the musicating Blue Meanies. Captain Fred escapes down Penny Lane. He's got to run for his life if he can in the titular Yellow Submarine because he needs a little help from his friends, the Fab Four themselves, those mop-topped lads from Liverpool, the Beatles, <laughs> and they agree to hold his hand in the crisis because he's no fool on the hill. But the turp back is dangerous. They may not end up in an octopus's garden, but listen, do you want to know a secret? They twist and shout and reach Pepperland and decide they need a revolution. So they come in through the bathroom window and go all bungalow bill on the blue meanies. Can they make everything obla di obla da again? We'll find out, or surely I am the walrus. 
by the way, Mike's been slain in a bloody car crash. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one question for you, Max. Yes? Does it hurt? <laughs> Does what hurt? <laughs> and now, the discussion. <laughs> the Lowdown. So, I am. I know we usually hold this for the end. Actually, let's hold that for the end. So, um, when was the last time you saw this that you recall? Boy, maybe 20 years ago at a movie marathon. Oh, like one of yours? Yeah. Okay. Um, and you, you don't remember Hey Bulldog either, because I don't know ever made it over here. Peter. Nope. I, I, this, the version I just watched is the first time, I'm almost certain, the first time that had that, not just the Hey Bulldog, but a, a part that I always was curious about. There's a sequence where... You know, uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band has been frozen in a music-proof bubble. Right. Like you do. <laughs> and the Beatles let them out. And then the scene just cuts away. We never see them actually meet the band, except in this extended version. And it turns out the band, they're, they're doppelgangers of each other. Right. And I, I was like, I, it wasn't terribly interesting, but I'm glad they did it, because that always bothered me. It's like, but they didn't even stop to say hi. What I thought was weird is that they disguise themselves as the band and they put on beards and stuff. And yet when they come out of the bubble, the original Sgt. Pepper's band doesn't have facial hair. Yeah, yeah, so I know. Little, eh, so what, that's like the yeah. least weird thing. Of this yeah, movie. seriously, if you try to apply any rules of logic to this, there's no point. I mean, the movie is a massive fantasy. It's also, I, I admit this, the thing is really just a vehicle for Beatles music. And you know what? That's okay. I... I'm trying to find my note here. I thought that it was very obviously meant to be merchandise, you know, in a way. But that being said, I honestly believe that there was joy in the making of this film. Um, sure, made for profit at, and the artist wanted to get paid. But I honestly think that the people involved enjoyed this because it's not just, it could have been so much cheaper. I mean, it could have looked like the cartoon, the Saturday morning cartoon, which is awful. Yeah. Um, I've tried to watch episodes and it's, it's just awful. Um, and this could have been that, and it's not. Heinz Edelman may have created his character designs out of anger, <laughs> but they're so interesting and yeah. colorful the and whole thing the, is visually so cool it's so beautiful and unusual and no one had done anything like that no it's also very innocent there's a real yeah. innocence to this movie and i honestly do not think you could make that movie now because there would be all sorts of like I mean, sure, they reference Beatles songs, but it's actually done in a kind of fun way. Yeah. Whereas now there would be this sort of, like, I ironic or, or sarcastic bent to it, because that's just how we are now. We're like, we can't make anything innocent. Um, I don't know. I just don't think we can. And it was a very interesting time. This is the late 60s. So the hippie movement was in full swing. There was all of this anti-establishment going on, which is very clearly illustrated in the film. Um, and there was a lot of hatred for the war, which at that point was the Vietnam War. Um, and just, you know, the English uh, um, Empire was coming down. They were winding down as the preeminent world power. Um, that had been happening since World War II. 
Yeah, but the pound was still like the world currency until I think the early 70s. Um, but there was there was definitely a lot of um, public outcry against the establishment. And the thing about this movie is while it's in there, it doesn't overwhelm it either. It is not a political film. It doesn't hit you over the head with anything. It's not like the blue meanies are made up to be current political leaders or any of that. Right. Most of those pictures, by the way, you see a lot of photographs appearing. Especially you know, in the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Those are those aren't I was really curious. I'm like, who are these people? I bet these are like really famous people. Uh, no, they're people from the production. <laughs> yeah, like the animators and the set crew and just like the guy who brought the coffee. They just took pictures of them and used them. Even Hans, Edel- Hans Edelman said, uh, I think I'm one of the guys with the umbrellas. It's uh, one of them in the background. I don't know which one. Hans, uh, you're back from the dead. <laughs> I, know, I know my impersonation is perfect. Um <laughs> However, the film, uh, so we start off in Pepperland, and I'm like, we're not going to go through this like we often do, but we start off in Pepperland and everything is hunky-dory and the Blue Meanies show up. Blue Meanies! <laughs> um, but then we, we get to, to London. Oh, and it's, they it's said, not hey, just, no, it's not London. Not London. It's Liverpool. They're Liverpool, very specifically yeah. Liverpool. Well, which except is a, that it is London because we do see the tower with Big Ben in it. At so, one point, that's when they're heading to the ocean. But when right. Ringo is walking the streets, that's Liverpool. It even right. says it on a, on a wall. Of course, while the submarine is following him appropriately, he's walking up Hope Street. <laughs> yeah, but how do they make? How can we make Liverpool, England, at that time seem really kind of dark and dismal? I know we'll play Eleanor Rigby, which, if oh. you've never sat and listened to, is one of the most depressing songs ever. It is a depressing song, but it's a. It's a beautiful work. Uh, the The lyrics are so powerful. I remember being struck. That is one of two Beatles songs I saw in the Norton Anthology of Poetry. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I just, I, I've, I, I mean, I, everyone knows Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby, but if you sit there and listen to it, especially like when you get to the last verse, it's like, well, here's this nobody woman that nobody liked or knew, and she died, and well, she's been buried, and nobody came to her funeral. The the priest oh, said that stuff that nobody will hear. He throws some dirt on basically her entire life and walks away. Well, that, well, that line, Eleanor <laughs> Rigby died in the church and was buried along, along. with her name. Yeah. Oh. It's just, Good. and I, I remember hearing a story recently about uh, from Paul McCartney who wrote it about where it came from, and it's it was one of those songs I think that just literally came to him, like he saw something and it just suggested the whole rest of the song. Um, the fun thing is if you go online, if you go to uh, uh, YouTube, and you look at recent interviews, there's a couple of those things. I know you've probably seen these, Max. I think Wired does them where they're basically, hey, we're going to get the celebrity to read and answer the most googled questions oh, yeah. about them yep. and the best part is half the time he's like oh i don't remember yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. the fans know i don't know and it's like that he just literally it's like ah, it was 60 years ago i have oh, the slightest clue what the hell happened i don't know i mean it was a long time ago and i was smoking a lot of the weedly deedly back then <laughs> yeah yeah the weedly deedly yep. but yeah eleanor we start the film more or less with with eleanor rigby and it's like Okay, it's yeah. a good contrast to what Pepperland is supposed to be, and it does underline the Boominis, although they have nothing to do with with uh, Liverpool and um, 
in London at the time. But there is this great contrast because we're they're using photographs for the background, and this is where the rugby players and stuff show up. No, sorry, um, uh, soccer players. They were soccer players, players. Yeah, because yeah. um, otherwise we couldn't have soccer hooligans. There's a great contrast between them and when the Beatles themselves show up. Ringo's first, and they're like amazingly brightly colored. Yep. And if you look at the fashions of the time. They're pretty much dead on. I don't know if that's partially because this film influenced or was influenced by, but stuff was pretty bright in yep, the in bright the late colors, 60s. Big big collars and lapels, flared yeah. pants. Oh yeah. I mean, hell, Paul's wearing an ascot for God's sake. <laughs> ascot. That's right. Yeah, but he he takes you know, the the yellow submarine for some reason hones in on the Beatles probably because they look like I mean there's no logic to it they probably because they look like Sgt. Pepper's only arts club band yeah I mean and uh, the Captain fact Fred follows them follows Ringo home and young begs, Fred yeah, well they call him old Fred <laughs> well except that the mayor calls him young Fred right um uh, I mean, it was very nice of you to, to to try and summarize the plot there isn't one there really, really. isn't it's just um Come on from this one place to another place, and we're going to play a lot of Beatles songs as we go. Yes. And some of which gonna, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, a few of them are very obscure. Some of them are really famous. So, I mean, the four that were written for this uh, movie, I didn't know if without this movie. And honestly, I'm not as crazy about things like Another Northern Song. Or, oh, I really liked Another Northern Song. Uh, that one didn't do it for me. I mean... I, 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 Hey, Bulldog was okay. But. It was all right. But, I mean, when you have, like, When I'm 64 and Eleanor Rigby and Nowhere Man, all these, and so even, and of course, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hook, and even this, the title song. They're so great. They're so iconic. And I think it was actually a great use of, let's face it, one of Ringo's songs, because yeah, those well, are usually not even the B-side of a single. They're um, always catchy. But yes. there's never anything to them. No, but Octopus's I, Garden, and which does I, not appear in this film, strangely enough, because you would you'd think, think, yeah, I um, don't know if he had written that yet. But uh, <laughs> that, uh, oddly enough, if you watch the opening credits, it says "based on the song by Ringo Starr." I'm like, wait a minute, it's not even based near the song. There, there's no blue meanies in that song. There's no, no Pepperland. It's, no, yeah. no, yeah. and Sergeant Peppers had just come out and. Um, yeah. I mean, so, the, yeah, there's been like, so much written about the Beatles. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the things I don't care about, care for about the Beatles is that there's been so much written about them, and their music is quite honestly so overplayed. It makes it almost impossible to enjoy them, except oh, in places agree. like this. Oh, I do. You hear some of certain their songs. I just can't listen to them anymore because it's like, Ugh. it's it's not their fault. It's because they've been overplayed to death. However, in a situation like this. It's not the same. It is. It is a lot more fun. It is. I, it is. I love Beatles music. I would listen to it in any opportunity. That was the music of my childhood. That was what I grew up with. I didn't. I am not musically hep. I'm not a very aware. <laughs> Max loves I, the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of them. Oh, you know, they're Tim dreamy. and uh, Tim and uh, Freddie uh, and uh, 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 Zeppo and. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Don't forget Gummo. Yeah, yeah the Backstreet yeah, Boys. Yeah, I, I have not. I've never been up on popular music, even you know. And back in when I was a kid, I, I found I came into everything like five years after everyone else was sick of it. Yeah. But my parents played me a lot of the Beatles. And it was played in our house it, too. Huh? It was played in our house too. I just I loved them so much, and God, one of one of the great musical moments of my life was my mother. 
was trying to teach me about contrasting styles of music. And she said, I want you here. Come here. She took out a couple of 45s, 45 RPM records. These were very small, single song on either side. (laughs) Hey, come on. A lot of people listening don't know that. I know. I just always have to laugh when we use a reference like, oh, right. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And she said, and she first one was, it was yesterday. Actually, both of them were versions of the song Yesterday, which is a beautiful song. And the first is Paul McCartney. And it's like, oh, wow, listen to that, you know, that voice like Silk. And the second one was Ray Charles. Ooh. Ray Charles does a cover of Yesterday that will blow your socks off. They're both brilliant, but they are, it's, you'd swear they're two different songs. Huh. It's Songs of Innocence and Experience. It was, um, it's amazing. And you know what? I'm going to see if I can find them on YouTube. I'm going to put a link to both of them in in the comments page. I'm not going to put them on the uh the main page, but I'll put them in the comments because mm. really, I think everyone should do that. Should listen first to the McCartney and then to the Ray Charles. So the Beatles, I love them, and although I will admit, uh, I don't like all their movies. Uh, I thought Let It Be, which is a documentary, is kind of dull. Never Help, Help is very had some great parts, but is very slow. Oh, see, I, I do, well, I don't. I haven't seen that since I was a kid either. That did not make the cut for this because you know one Beatles film's enough. But I remember thinking it was goofy and crazy and and wacky, and that's why it's I very liked it. slow. Is it okay? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, uh, Hard Day's Night is a lot of fun. I actually not only do I like Hard Day's Night, I'd only seen it recently. There was a big thing about it having been restored, but I watched it on one of those. Um, streaming services. It might have been Netflix. I don't remember. And I was stunned at how good the photography was. The photography yeah. in Hard Day's Night is really good. Really nice, sharp black and white photography. Stuff is really well focused. There's a lot of good depth, a lot of good darkness. Yeah. It's not medium gray. I was surprised. He's and it's very, goofy. He's a very clean old man. <laughs> and of course, it's them being, you know, goofy. The, uh, the, the Blue Meanies, one of the things I noted was, wow, the Blue Meanie technology is remarkably non-lethal for being so violent. They don't actually hurt anybody. They sort of paralyze people or turn them gray. I was confused by that. The people in Pepperland who are hit by, like, the apples or the weird bolts of blue lightning or what have you, they don't die. They and At first I thought, oh, they, they get frozen. They can't move. But you see them run away. You Some said being them. menaced by the glove and such. Yeah, I you know, whatever. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's it's, it's, it, the, it's meant to be the death of fun and joy and music yeah. and art and all that stuff. A- and having said that, this was a, the blue meanies freaked me the hell out when I was little, and I first saw so it. That brings up the question that I wanted yeah. to ask. Now that you bring this up, so yeah, was it just that that freaked you out? Yep, yep. It, it was, was the blue, blue meanies. meanies. Okay, they. I uh, my parents had to take me out of the theater. I couldn't watch it. Wow! I, so, I got so scared just during that initial attack because those things with the clowns that made things explode and the the apple bonkers creeped me out so much. Those tall, emaciated, gray-skinned, top hat wearing, they freaked me the hell out. Max, that's like five minutes into the movie. Yep. So I, when I your was, parents took you to see the film, you stayed for five minutes. If that, yep. Wow. Because, of course, you were, wait, it was 65, you were three. I was five. Oh, 68, 68. So you were almost six. You would have been six. Close. 
I don't yeah. want to specify my birth year exactly for privacy issues, but yeah, I was about somewhere between five and eight. <laughs> um, I why did you go? Well, you don't remember. <laughs> it was a cartoon. My parents uh, yes, thought, that problem. and my parents my parents loved the Beatles, and they thought, oh, it's a cartoon. It'll be great. We'll love it. We no, we didn't know anything about it. And yep, I would and, I would not go back in that theater. And Mr. Leaky Drawers couldn't last the entire film. <laughs> yeah, I no. said cartoons. Oh, that's such a pain. Ugh. Still, still, that is a stigma that animation cannot get past. That yeah. everything animated has to be for kids. No, it yeah. doesn't. No, Unfortunately, My- certain studios named are rhyming with Fizney. <laughs> and or Bixar um, continue to push that forward. And every time somebody tries to do something more for adults, it doesn't work. Speaking of which, did you feel any echo, since we reviewed one of these films, did you feel any echo stylistically here and there from this film into films like Bakshi's Lord of the Rings or Wizards? Because I kind of did. Wizards, Yes. Because there was a similar sense of just visual imagination about it. Uh, what was the other one you said? Lord of the Rings. Rings. I think it's just because when he did the when he was drawing over the the uh, Nazis and stuff, I felt like it was sort of like the beginning with Eleanor Rigby, where it's, it felt very newspapery. Mm. But but I, I that but also I want to say that there's a lot the of rotoscoping, in, yeah, yeah. But I want to say there's a lot of influence. Even still from this movie, there's certain cartoon shows now like Adventure Time and um, Rick and Morty. I think examples. even Steven Universe, you could argue, has some kind of yellow submarine elements to it. Yeah, and I'd be interested. Like, I don't know if there's interviews with these people um, that would say something like, oh, yeah, definitely. I saw this and loved it. But it's it influenced that. It also, I want to say, if again, because I, you know, I was three when it came out. But uh, I don't know if that it was an influence of or if it was really mirroring, but a lot of things like package design and advertising really keyed into this film. If you remember when we were kids, a snack called Screaming Yellow Zonkers. Oh, yeah. Um, totally felt like it, it came from this movie. Yeah. All, all Screaming Yellow Zonkers were, were, were toffee-coated popcorn. That's it. Oh, um, I don't think yeah. I... I must not ever have had them. Oh, they were really tasty, but I think literally the thing that sold them was their name but and the crazy colors in the box. Um, but a lot of like magazine ads and stuff were very like this Peter Max-ish, Edelman-ish, um, bright colors, striped pants. I, 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 I'd like to see. I didn't do enough research because it's really hard to, but I have this feeling that this film visually, especially in the States, not only influenced a lot of pop culture in the 60s, but has continued to do so. I would not be at all surprised. I think this was a very influential movie. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, I also happened that one of the things I did like about it, even when I was a kid, the one thing that almost kept me in the theater, this was the first movie I saw for a long time as a child where there was a character named Max. <laughs> There, yes, are, there weren't any for years. And There'll admittedly, one... yes, he's a bad guy, he's a flunky, <laughs> but he's there, and he even has a big M on his chest. Well, that's so you know who he is. Yeah. Guy Lombardo? <laughs> no, your blueness. 
<laughs> yeah, and of course we've been quoting this forever. Oh. And the thing is, is it is there are little quotable things in it. Some of which is I should say a lot of which comes from Ringo in particular. But the little cheeky jokes and it's like oh, oh it's Frankenstein and his and his sister Phyllis. I his, his sister. What? He really? Yeah, Phyllis. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they, say it. All these little. Th- Throwaway little jokes. There are a lot of those. Hey, Ringo, I just had the strangest dream. I told you never to eat on an empty stomach. <laughs> Which now apparently Ringo was known for saying things like he that. he. Well, and that's remember, where we got hard was, days night and yep. uh, uh, what is it? Um, eight days a week. Those are all Ringo isms. Yeah, you got to um, remember. You know, he was the funny one. Right. He was. John was the smart one. Paul was the cute one. George was the shy one. Ringo was, was the was funny the quiet, one. I thought he was the quiet one. Well, it went back and forth. He started as shy, then he was quiet, then he was the spiritual one. And Ringo was the funny one because people were being nice. (laughs) No, because he was. I remember there was a famous... But he also wasn't the cute one. He He, (laughs) Well, not with that schnoz, no. Eh, You know. No, Ringo Ringo has a pleasantly homely face. Yeah. But hey, he's, you know, much more than I've ever done, so... But, you know, I'm a believer Oh, There's all (laughs) through the film... So many! There are little fun jokes. And the, the Beatles themselves, it's actually a lot of fun because... Everyone around them is either trying to take over Pepperland or is trying to get them to help save Pepperland. And the Beatles are sort of waltzing through in a little daze. It's actually a lot of fun Um, because they're both affected and unaffected by everything. That's one of the nice things. That's why I think if I had managed to stick out the initial attack, it would have been it's a lot calmer because you never get the feeling they're afraid. There's never that they're in danger. Even when Ringo falls out of the submarine in the Sea of Monsters and is screaming through the uh, the canyons, and they're all like, no, oh, that's too bad. Oh, he never, never did nothing to no one. Yeah, yeah we should probably rescue him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's where we get into this, the one little dent. We get this sort of oh, annoying yeah. little bit of racism in there. Oh, yes, Americans. he's being chased by... Yeah, also, a rather tasteless bit. You remember how they save him? Yes, with... with uh, um, the guy who actually died. Uh. Well, they they sent out the, this cluster of horsemen, very obviously cavalry. Yeah. Their, it's the seventh cavalry, you know, General yeah. Custer's group. Custer, yeah, mean, mis- mean Mister Custer. Custer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind. That part is kind of awkward. There's also a moment I hadn't noticed. I don't remember if I ever noticed this. At one point, they're just pressing random buttons, which they do a lot on the submarine. And, like, things start popping out of the submarine. Oh, you're going to talk about the flag with the Rolling the, Stones the on it? The flag that says the Rolling Stones. <laughs> i like, oh, my. Really? That's in my notes, too. Yeah. <laughs> there was always this weird uh, supposed rivalry between the bands, which actually yeah. never existed. It was only between the fans of the bands. Yeah. Which one's a better rock and roll band? Well, they're not both rock and roll bands. I think it's safe to say that the Rolling Stones is a rock and roll band and the Beatles is a pop band. Now, that sort of diminishes or demeans the music and the quality of the music that the Beatles made, but that's really kind of how it was. Um, well, and the thing is, is apparently, because I, I said, again, I saw Paul on here, and it was one of the questions that he answered. It's like, hey, do you guys hate each other? And he's like, no, actually, we're friends. We see each other once in a while. We hang out and do some weedly deedly here. <laughs> some um, of that, there is some evidence that John Lennon really didn't like Mick Jagger. Yeah, and, you know, that's... But John funny. Lennon didn't like a lot of people. John Lennon, you know, he was a genius. You can't mm. get around that. He was a no. brilliant man. I don't think he was a very nice person. And he, he didn't get along with a lot of people. 
No, he didn't have a very... If I remember correctly, he did not have a good upbringing. I think he was raised yeah. by his grandparents. Um, I think that his, his parents were his out aunt. of the picture or had died. I can't remember. But I think that it... And, of course, they lived in a very, very working-class town. Yeah, um, Liverpool and, is not a cheery place. That, no. That, that the, way, the picture of it we see here, I remember people saying... You know, this really isn't much of an exaggeration. At least back then, it was very mm. industrial, very gray, very grinding. Yeah, very, very coal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I so cycling back to the art of this, uh, just because, uh, yeah. well, there's no segue. I just did it. <laughs> um, I know that the Beatles themselves were not particularly pleased by their depictions. I think they're actually really well done. We yeah. instantly know who all of them are. Immediately. There's and no question. They don't even have to say the names. We know who they are. And if you look, there's really very few lines to make these characters. Very few. So they had to rely on, like, I don't know. Um, I'm getting all art geeky here, but it's almost like looking at the same kind of approach one would use for a Japanese woodblock print. There's like, hey, here's these four lines. That has to suggest Paul McCartney. No, no, not a guy. It has to be Paul McCartney. And they work great. They're very stylized, but I think they look awesome. Um, Now, of course, to be fair, the Beatles changed the way they looked so many times. But, I mean, they got that down pat. The people who are supposed to look like people look like who they're supposed to be. They do. Um, I just and weird little things they throw in when they're sing, singing um, when I'm 64 right. and they're going back and you're eight, they're either very young or suddenly very old. There's suddenly out of nowhere this text appears on the screen saying a minute is quite a long time. Let us demonstrate. Yes. and it counts up to 64 like Sesame Street, and it somehow it is not insulting, and it's not. Boring because the way they do because it's just showing numbers changing on the screen, but the art of the numbers is so interesting and different. Yeah, that's a there's a, just a lot going on. Yeah, um, it, it, especially because it's basically if you want to really strip this thing down, you could say, "Hey, this is just an ad for Beatles songs." Except that it's, I think that that's what the guy wanted. I want to do an ad for Beatles songs. And the people making this, and the people who made this, again, I don't know, but I get this feeling. It's like, okay, we'll do your little ad, but we're going to do it and we're going to do it our way and have fun with it. So this visually, this, I mean, the imagination needed to create the characters, especially when we hear it only took booze. Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, booze can save everything. Yep. it's it's you know really impressive because it's stuff it's all over the place we have a glove that's only articulate as a face when it's making a fist at one point it gets bonked and then run over and it's all its fingers again and it's not a face anymore it only works when it's a face and how they are t- i don't know i i, I yeah I, and i like the fact that they're very consistent the eye is on the thumbnail yeah and just the position of the thumb changes the expression of the face but also the fact that it's, hey, a fist yeah. says no. A fist says establishment. A fist says, it's, it's, you know, It's anger. Force. It's power. Yeah. It's, it's, it's brute force. Yeah. So and, this, and the monsters in the sea of monsters, they're all so imaginative and clever and interesting to look at. And you want to know more about, like, wait, how did a monster evolve that its head is a punching bag? How is that a survival mechanism? Or the one that that basically ends up uh, vacuuming itself into oblivion. Yeah. Um, yes. And and what about Scarecrow's brain? <laughs> oh, and I like 
when they when they meet in when they're nowhere and they meet the nowhere man. Right, Jeremy. Jeremy Hillary Boob PhD or excuse me, Fud. <laughs> Fud. <laughs> I Which love is of course that. Ringo's line. <laughs> yep, Fud. And of yeah. course, he's the one who has sympathy for him. I feel sorry for the poor little boob. <laughs> Come on, we'll take you somewhere. Yeah. I think that's nice. Again, that sort of Ringo is like the child of the group. He's the the good-hearted one. He's the one yeah. who wants to help Fred from the outset. And I remember watching this, speaking of children, of watching this as a kid, and it's still not a kid's film. And I'm not saying that kids can't enjoy it, but it was not meant specifically for children. No, the pacing is a little too slow, and yeah. there are segments that go on for a long time. And some of the more psychedelic music, I don't think kids would enjoy that. No. Hey, speaking of that, the Sea of Holes, do you think that messed up some people's highs when that came on? I think just... that really could have. Also, <laughs> I love that the fact that there's the, all the, the jokes from Day in the Life. Because they're like, how many holes do you think there are? Enough to fill the Albert Hall. And then Paul goes, oh boy. Because that's the line, you know. You know yeah. As I heard the news today, oh boy, 4,000 yeah. holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. And though the holes were rather small, they had to count them all. Now yeah. they know how many holes it would take to fill the fill Albert the Hall. hall. <laughs> yeah. Which I I'm love sure that. And it's just such a throwaway. I just love Paul. Oh boy. <laughs> it's so great. And I think that it was actually good that this was made without the direct participation of the Beatles, because I don't think you would have got that. I don't think so. And um, I, just a little, uh, huh, not a meanie in sight, not even a teeny meanie, not even a teeny weeny meanie. <laughs> or, it's blue glass, must be from Kentucky. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I again one of the things with I looked up when we were uh, preparing for this episode was uh, the voice characterizations because of course there was no Beatles were harmed in the making of this film <laughs> yeah and was... the people who did their voices apparently all heard the same thing when they talked to the Beatles the Beatle whom they were interpreting said well I don't like what you're doing for me but I think you got everybody else perfectly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh... and you know to be fair I. Voice-wise, I except for Ringo, I can't tell them apart all that well either. Um, so it worked out fine. I mean, when I was a kid, it didn't even occur to me that it wasn't the Beatles doing the voices of the cartoons. No. Um, I, and this happens a lot. You'll see uh, other cartoon shows and stuff, you know, like the Jackson 5 cartoon show didn't have any of the Jackson 5 in it. What? The song was, I know. My, um, although my, I have this feeling that all of, ruined. I have this feeling that all of the Osmonds were available <laughs> for the Osmond cartoon. Oh. Especially Jimmy. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> I did see something, because uh, I, I, I let Max, he was hosting, I let him do all the research and stuff, but I did uh, watch one little thing, and it was a uh, a special that they had, I think it was 1998, they had uh, restored the film, and yeah, it was being shown on VH1, and one of the things they even mentioned, on the it's showing at the bottom of this show, is that, hey, you're actually going to get to see Hey Bull Bulldog right after this. But oh. apparently, because of the delicate nature of the artwork, and also, to be fair, it being 1998, they couldn't just feed this through some kind of colorizer or computer program, because apparently the film did not age well. Like, it, it physically mm -hmm. was falling apart, and there was um, a lot of dust and scratches and stuff that they had to go through and do it frame by frame. And I don't know how you saw it. I, I actually bought it, or had bought it on... Um, iTunes, and so it was a nice 4K version. But it looked fantastic. Yeah, I'm glad they did it. They, it, it, it looks wonderful. Yeah. So what, how did you watch it? I watched it from Netflix. Yeah. 
So I think that's pretty much like the one that's available is, you know, the, the new restored version. I didn't look to see if there was extras, um, but that's that's fine. It, you know, it, that's the one you're going to see. Be Feel lucky because uh, this is something I did want to bring up. A lot of the films, in fact, most of the, all of the films in this series. Yeah. So when Max and I wanted to see uh, a film or we were interested in the film, it wouldn't have been new, right? Because we were kids. We didn't see these things in theaters for the most part. There's going to be a couple that we did. But if you ever wanted to see a film again, you saw it on TV. Yeah. And if you wanted to see it, you had to wait a year or more and happen to notice it in the listings. It was like this. The They'd show this once a year. Um, the last time I remember seeing it, I was over at my grandparents' house in Peekskill, New York. This would have been sometime... Uh-huh. Ugh, Late 70s? I'm uh-huh. guessing mid... No, not even that late. Probably mid-70s. So like 74, 75, something like that. And you just got lucky and there it was. Um, now you can see anything anytime you want. Um, I don't know if that affects uh-huh. the enjoyment of it. Because there was there, something about... I think about- it takes away some of the anticipation. Some of the the waiting and the, the build-up, the suspense... It's, I, I don't know. That, did, I think we could do a whole show about that, about the on-demand culture. Yeah, I, I think it takes a little bit out of the hunt. Because if you wanted to see Yellow Sun... Now, of course, if you want to see a lousy copy of it, Max and I also had the opportunity. It was one of the films in regular rotation at the now, sadly, departed Harvard Square Theater. Yep. Which, man, were we lucky with that. The Harvard Square Theater, for those who don't know, which is almost everybody, used to run a daily double feature, which means that literally every day there were two new movies playing back-to-back. You would pay one price and sit there as long as you wanted. Yeah, but you- uh, I have to clarify, by new, it meant different. These were all right. older movies. Yeah. And they had them in a rotation. Right. But they would do things, not just double features, but you could get triple features, like three yep. Marx Brothers movies. And the thing is, this was always in the main theater. I worked at the Harvard Square Theater for a while. Yep. And you could just pay, buy one ticket, and you could stay there as long as you wanted. Nobody cared. Yep. You could see the movie over and over again. So we got lucky, and we got to see a lot of films. I didn't see this one, but a lot of films like this. Uh, of course, Max was uh, old enough to see this. He just weed his pants. Uh, <laughs> I did but, not wee my pants. I cried like a little girl. You don't remember. You probably did both. Um, I no, I don't think so. I don't remember I, because we sat in the lobby waiting for other for the rest of the people to come out, and I don't think they would have made me do that if I had uh, had an accident. Oh bleep! My seat's wet. Um, <laughs> another film we saw many times here, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But uh, we got lucky. So films like Bond movies. I saw most of the old Bond movies yes. at the Harvard Square Theater in a big screen. Uh, the Monty Python films I got to see there. Um, stuff like this, we got lucky. But otherwise, nope. You just didn't see them. And so there would be years and years and years where nobody would see these films because there was no way to see them. And if you didn't live in a big city, then forget it. There was no, you know, repertoire movie houses or anything like that. So, but uh, I think our uh, our listeners are dying to hear. What? Hello? Listeners? Yep. Are you? Yeah. Y- yes. Oh, are you they okay? say they are dying to hear. Yeah. Or just dying. Uh, uh, what we thought of this film. So do you have any further notes you wanted to go over? Uh, no, that was pretty much the... It's, I'm ready for the sum up. The Roundup. 
so Max, you uh, you picked this film. You you, you cried. You cried like a little girl in your own words when you I saw did. it as a kid. You did see it twenty or so years ago as as part of your marathon. Meaning that if it was shown anywhere but first or last, your memory of it may not have been all that good. It might have been a little hazy. This was twenty four hours worth of movies, and after a while, they kind of blur together. Uh, so does this I, stand up from when you was kids? Yes, I, th- I honestly I think I like it better now. Uh, I get more of it. I can appreciate the music and some of the uh, the art the art better. Uh, I do also under I understand it for what it is. It's a vehicle for Beatles music. Mm-hmm. In addition, it's it's also just some some animators who said, "Okay, you don't really care what this looks like. We're going to have a good time. Yep. We're just going to do whatever we want, whatever comes into our crazed, booze filled brains." We have an insane German leading us. We're going to do that. We don't know that he was insane. He was German. They're all insane. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So, hey, German listeners, if you would like to email Max directly before he's fired, that's us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Half my Uh, family is German. I'm allowed to say that. uh, So, yeah. I I don't think, you know, it's funny. I don't find this film particularly insane i find it incredibly imaginative visual visually yeah. um, I, not me so the plot so much but you know well no it doesn't really the plot is irrelevant it doesn't really matter i think it's so much fun and i will take any excuse to listen to beatles music and to see it visualized the way they do it you know that just the things that they that they saw when they heard this music that we now see i really enjoy i i still love this movie waiting <clears throat> and mike what do you what did you think of it <laughs> if you'd like to be a host here at max mike movies you can write oh, us at mike's oh, resigning man. oh that's so sad oh, well. oh no oh no i'm taking this down uh, with me i'll get another mike out of the freezer and <laughs> wow <laughs> you know a... you're not the first right <laughs> The show was my idea. <laughs> oh, get out. It was not. It totally you're really, was. It you're totally right. was. Yep, yes, it totally was. I so, really well, like this movie. Yeah. I really do. I. It's joyful. It's nice. There's nothing, like, there's no sort of pall of, of unpleasantness or jadedness hanging over it. Um, I I will also look at the Apple Bonkers and wonder who, how did they get away with that because they're dropping the symbol of the company that publishes <laughs> Beatles music on yep. people's heads and freezing them. Um, <laughs> is that meant on purpose? I kind of think so because otherwise you'd make your apples red and they're green. Um, and I don't know about you, but I happened to be uh, this was just happenstance uh, drinking some sake while watching this film. Now, the last time I watched it, because I bought this, uh, I bought this nice digital copy. I don't know about six months ago. I think there was a sale. I got it for ten bucks, which is nice. more than worth it. Yeah. Um, and this time, though, I happened to be drinking some sake. And I'm going to say that if you enjoy the film, if you have a particularly favorite libation or other oh. means of mind expansion, you might just go ahead and enjoy the film a little bit more. Because I was just smiling. Occasionally I was tearing up because things were beautiful. Um, yes, it's Beatles music that's been played umpteen thousand times, but it's Beatles music, and it's even the stuff that's not great is still pretty good. I, mean, I, I um, gotta ask you then, did you sing along? 
course I did. Oh, good. Even to, even to Eleanor Rigby, it's like I'm harmonizing to this song that's like, oh, hey, you know what? Nobody loves you. Nobody remembers you. You're dead. <laughs> that's the song. Yeah, it's so is. sad. But the other songs, it's like I remember as a kid loving All Together Now. My sister and I used to go ahead and sing to that. When, and then I think about uh, that is it puts the words up on the screen. So if yes. you don't know them, uh, if you forget that these uh, the words are in fact all together now, <laughs> all together now. I uh, guess there's more. But In yes. 27 languages, yes. It there is a childlike quality to it. Yeah. That's the innocence that it has. It doesn't feel childish. It feels childlike, and it still does. And again, I don't think you could make this today because it's so. There's such an innocence about it. Whether or not there was innocence behind the scenes or not, I don't know. But that's how I felt. I felt joyful. I felt happy. Um, yes, yes. If you have not seen this film, I do recommend it. Um, Seriously, so do I. Yeah. Don't throw it on in the background and throw it to your kids. Just don't nope. do that. Sit and actually watch the movie. Um, but that's all about Yellow Submarine. Next yes. week. Next week, Mike's choice. We get to ruin a piece of his childhood. <laughs> now, to be fair, these two films are connected. I bet you don't know how. I think you're right. These well, for- two films both had a corgi toy made of one oh, of the items oh, in of the course. film. So in Yellow Submarine, I as a kid had the Yellow Submarine corgi toy. I don't remember. I don't think I did. I think it was too I expensive. Did. They were always too expensive. But our next film's main character, more or less, <laughs> had a corgi toy made of it. That character is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a film uh. that you've likely heard about, but I'm wondering how many of you have actually seen it stars the ever-talented and, um, thankfully, does not do his Cockney accent in this film, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, thank, thank the Lord. And the um, ever-popular and well-renowned Sally Ann Howes, uh, you know, from... Um, yeah. And Lionel Jeffries, who plays Dick Van Dyke's father, and who was oh, actually... Wow. Yeah, yeah, and who was actually, at this point, younger than Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That, that I have not seen this movie in a long time. I don't think yeah. I've seen it since I was a kid. And I, the only thing I do remember, I must have been a little older because it also stars, I guess, if you consider starring, Sir Benny Hill. Yes, it does. And somebody from one of our other films most recently seen, oh. Gert Froba, who oh, plays right. Goldfinger, is also in this as Bound Bombvest. So uh, <laughs> look for it. Come back and, and uh, put on your little your your beanie copter or your Mickey Mouse ears and come back to When We Was Kids next yep. week for Chitty Chitty, Chitty Chitty, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> We love throw, you. <laughs> you threw in a few extra chitties there, but okay. It's a chitty, 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 <laughs> chitty, chitty world. <laughs> Next week. Next on week. On this same station. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Rex.